What's up? You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast with your host, Brandon Hopper. That's me. I'm just an average dude with a bunch of thoughts and opinions, and I'm not afraid to share them. Sometimes I'll make you laugh. Sometimes I'll make you cry. But as long as it's anywhere in between there, I'm doing my job. I'm not here to argue or persuade or to change minds. I'm just here to get you to think. There's two sides to every coin and sometimes three. So don't be scared to keep flipping the coin over till you see all three sides. And you know what they say about guys with big fingers. They have a hard time picking coins up off the ground. And no, that's not from Joe Biden. Bangkok, oriental sitting in the city, don't know what the city is getting. The creme de la creme of the chess world in a show with everything but Yule Brynner. some great content for today content isn't that funny how that word has become changed a little bit like content everyone produces content now does that make me a creative or a creator ah so funny the way words evolve i'm i'm a creative i produce content (laughs) i just can't take someone seriously who says that i'm sorry i've got something to get off my chest if you know what i mean one thing that kind of annoys me well in the grand scheme of things, lots of things annoy me, but the whole shaming trend has just got to stop. It's just got to stop. Like telling someone that they're doing something wrong because it doesn't coincide with your opinion is just crappy. There's lots of examples you can think about. Mom shaming, whatever. All the shame, shame, shaming. That's another new word. But in this particular case, I want to talk about the whole adopt, don't shop shaming, you know, where they try to demonize people for buying dogs from a breeder. Once again, this goes back to the whole, like the people that claim to be non-judgmental make judgments and generalizations. Here we are. So I'm going to break it down. For those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm a dog trainer by hobby. I've always been into dogs. I've trained dogs to do different things. I compete with a dog. I've normally competed with a dog or two, and not at the top national levels, but at the local level as much as I have time to do. So throughout the course of my life, I've been around dog breeders and dog competitors and veterinarians and kind of the dog world. And what I've seen is that there are tons of breeders out there who know exactly what they're doing. That's what you should be as a breeder. You should know what what gets produced with the dogs that you breed and the long-term effects and, you know, all the different types of ailments that dogs can have and how to spot them. And you should really just, you know, focus on one breed and get into it and understand all the intricacies. I'm so grateful for people like that because I don't want to do it. I don't care about it. I don't want to know about it. I don't have time for it, but there are people out there who really, really love it. And those are good breeders. And then you have people out there that say, Hey man, your dog looks good. Hey man, my dog looks good. Let's make them make babies. And then they breed them without any regard to genetic issues that could come about. And that's the practice we should be shaming. We shouldn't be shaming the practice of 
buying dogs. Because then if nobody bought dogs, we would put all the good breeders out of business. And then we would be left with one giant population of mutts, which don't get going there. Hang on a second. I know you, you're saying right now, I love mutts. Mutts are the best. Mutts are great dogs. Sure. Yeah, mutts can be great dogs. Two, two of the best dogs I've ever had, Bentley and Bronco, 100% mutt. 50% lab, 50% golden retriever. Some of the best dogs I've ever had. But to say that there is no need for maintaining purebred lines is kind of silly. And here's why. Because there's tons of people out there that still do things with dogs that requires a genetic base. For instance, people use border collies to work their sheep and their cows. People use the Belgian Malinois and the German Shepherd for police dogs. People use little jag terriers to run down in holes and get moles and rats and mice and things. People use beagles for fox hunting. People use the Irish wolfhound to chase down and eradicate coyotes from farmland. But you get the picture. So once we stop maintaining these types of genetics, is when we lose, we lose that breed or we lose that desire because you can't get it back. So people have spent lots of time, generations of just selective breeding to produce qualities in dogs that they, that they need or they want. And the minute that we have disregard for that is when we lose different dog breeds and we end up with just a dog, one big giant mutt. And so it's important that we pay attention to that and carefully breed to, and also breed out the bad things, right? So, you know, there's a huge problem with hip dysplasia in labs and golden retrievers. Golden retrievers is a big problem with cancer. So all these breeds have issues, and this is from careless breeding. This is not from the people who choose not to breed dogs that have the most minor issues. It's also from inbreeding. There's people out there that, that want to produce a certain trait in a dog, and so they're willing to breed within a family tree to maintain that feature. But the problem is that you create other problems, things pop up. That's irresponsible breeding. You, you see this in the, um, in the show line, German Shepherds. And so what ends up happening is that you end up having two different lines for one breed, right? So if you just look at the German Shepherd, and then you look for the working line German Shepherd and the show lines German Shepherd, their hip structure looks entirely different. So the show lines, for whatever reason, I don't know much about confirmation showing, so I don't even pretend to. But I do know that they... They were preferential to the swooping hips, these hips that kind of sunk back and the dog's back legs were very far forward and it just did not look healthy. But for whatever reason, they really liked it. So they started breeding the dogs that had this extreme feature over and over with each other. And now they've produced a dog that looks like it's so jacked up it can barely walk. Like its hips are so far down that it's the backside of its knees are almost touching the ground when it walks. It is really sad. But if you compare that to a working line German Shepherd, who wants to chase and bite anything that moves, his hips are tall and square. You know, he's made to run and jump and sprint. And to me, that's another mistake. People have bred these dogs for features that are worthless, and it ends up hurting the breed. So while I see the benefit for rescuing dogs, and I get it. Like, if you if you want an older dog, you don't want a puppy, you don't want to have to house train it, then by all means, go to the shelter and get a rescue. But don't expect everyone else to just because you do. Because other people have needs in their dogs that you might not, right? So for what I do with Gypsy, the sport's called Mondio Ring, I could never just go get a dog from the shelter and do it. Like, I, it wouldn't even, 
some people might say, well, yeah, you could. The dog would still do it. It just wouldn't be as good. No, literally, the dog will not do it. There's not many other breeds of dog who can compete in the sport, maybe two or three, and even those would be at a low, low level. So, yeah, in my opinion, it's just it's not dog breeding we need to hate. It's bad dog breeding, right? We need to establish the difference, and we need to appreciate the good dog breeders for what work they've done and how they've maintained a certain desirable breed standard. And we need to not buy dogs from the two people that have a pit bull-looking dog that decide to breed them. Or a two Labradors. Boy, he's a good old-looking lab. That son of a gun, he weighs 110 pounds. All right, yeah, my little female, she's big too. She weighs 85. Okay, let's breed them together. Let's see if we can make the biggest lab we can possibly make. You know, I can't stand it when people love to brag about how much their lab weighs. It just, like, it really shows that people have no clue what they're talking about. A lab, a healthy lab, a solid muscle, fit, fit lab on a huge frame doesn't weigh 95 pounds. doesn't even weigh 90 pounds. 85 is a big, big lab if he's weighted correctly. And people give me a hard time for running my dog so lean. I mean, Gypsy, who's three, you can see her last four or five ribs. But that's, that's what keeps them alive and healthiest the longest. You know, people think that, that dogs get out of eating what humans do. And while they may get excited and they may enjoy it, they don't think about it. They don't dream about it. They don't constantly long for it like we do. They don't get the same type of joy out of it. And people say, well, how do you know? How do you know that? Email me and I'll tell you. I'm going on 10 minutes on this segment and it's getting kind of long. Speaking of shaming, here's another one. I cannot express how crappy I think it is. Like beyond crappy. You are a crappy human. If you are a pro-mask person and you think everyone should wear masks and masks are the solution and we should sleep in a mask and drive in masks and go for walks in masks and just mask, 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 okay? If that's you and you hear that someone who boasted about not wearing a mask got corona and died, you are a piece of crap. I'm sorry, but that's it. I mean, you know what this shows me? This shows me that pride, it's really about pride. It's, it's not about preserving the health of people or making sure that everyone stays healthy. This is about, ha ha, I was right, you were wrong, and now you're dead. I mean, what does that say about us as people? You know, I, I heard that a bunch of people were saying that about Herman Cain, you know, and that he, um, he was at some, I think the Trump rally, whatever, he was somewhere, was boasting about not being in a mask, gets corona and dies. You know what? It's still unfortunate. That's super crappy. But the, the man was living his life, right? He was doing what he wanted to do. When someone gets in a DUI accident, we don't say, ha, ha, serves him right. He had a couple beers and he wrapped his car around a tree. Oh, he got what was coming to him. If a smoker gets lung cancer and they die, we don't laugh about it. We don't say, well, they knew what they were doing. They're dead now. Ha, ha, ha. No, we don't. I don't know why this mask thing is any different. But it does show me one thing. It shows me how divided it's made us. A stupid mask has got us cheering for deaths of other people. Do you guys realize how stupid that is? That should be absolutely embarrassing. If there's ever been a time that a country deserves to be flat on its face with no money and Great Depression-like times, it's right now. You know, you got people like Bill Maher who publicly comes out and says, you know what? I hate Trump so much. We need a recession. I don't care. I don't care if it hurts. I don't care if it hurts the middle class. It's going to sting. But I really hope the country falls into recession. This was long before Corona. This is a public figure 
on air, on TV, saying that he hopes we fall into a recession and no one goes crazy. That blows my mind. I mean, this guy doesn't know what a recession is. Who knows when the last time he was poor was, but it's not recently. Do you know what a recession does to someone who works at a mechanic shop and makes 15 bucks an hour? Do you know what a recession does to a single mom who manages a hotel and it gets shut down because there's no tourism? Do you know what a recession does to a waiter in a tourist town who makes money four months out of the year? How dare you? And yeah, I mean, I've said from the very beginning of this thing, like it really, really hurts me to see people who were cheering for the, the economic downturn. And I'm telling you, we had not even seen the beginning yet. You think I'm joking. I'm not. We have not seen the beginning yet. If I had to give one piece of advice, it would be do not let pride be the driver. Do not let pride fund you. Think about what it's going to take to get this country back on its feet as fast as possible. Not what makes you right or who's wrong or what we can do to do what you think is right. Because I'm telling you, what will bring us together will be the Great Depression. So if that's what it takes, and that's what it takes. Once the economy starts to fall, it's a domino effect. You cannot stop it. And between me and you, the writing is on the wall. More about that later. Maybe, uh, maybe a different podcast about that. But here's a basic economic lesson. I know that uh, a lot of people love to brag about the Scandinavian countries and how everyone thinks they're socialist. And really, they're not. They're, they tried socialism, and it didn't really work, so now they have this hybrid capitalism-type type system where it, it, it lifts the poor out of poverty without them having to do much, and it caps the wealth that the top earners can generate. So it, it, it levels the playing field by picking up some and, and putting a ceiling in front of others. It's just the way that monetary policy works. You cannot give to some without taking from others. It doesn't work. But one thing that I always look at whenever I'm looking at these foreign countries that people brag about is you, know, you can't use the cost of things to get an idea of what things really cost in a foreign country because we don't know their labor laws. We there's so much we don't know, right? So, yes, a, a pizza in Norway costs you the equivalent of 100 US dollars. That's not a joke. That's legit. That's for real. So how does that work? What does that mean? What is it, you know, if a pizza costs 100 bucks, what does a house cost? And so to quantify this or to put it to put it um, on a level that, that, that makes sense around the world is I always look at what, what does somebody have to work or how much time does someone have to work at minimum wage in order to buy a beer at a bar? So that's uh, a newspaper is another good thing to look at. You know, how much time does someone have to work to buy a printed newspaper? Because every country has newspapers. It's old technology. And relatively, the cost is about the same to produce them in terms of the inputs needed. For example, the um, in Corpus Christi, which is in Texas, the minimum wage is seven twenty-five an hour. Which who even pays that anymore? I don't know. But let's just use it for example. You work for one hour at minimum wage, seven twenty-five. Now to go to a bar and buy a beer in a pint glass, you're looking at about. And 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 I use um, domestic beer, like low low cost beer, not craft beer, because that can be. That can fluctuate. The cost of that can fluctuate quite a bit. So your run-of-the-mill domestic beer, let's call it blank light at a bar, like three fifty, something like that. So that's half of one hour minimum wage. I haven't done any of the math. I would encourage you 
to pick a couple countries, look at them, compare, figure out how much you have to work to buy a beer at minimum wage. And then you'll get an idea of the true cost of living. Some countries don't have minimum wage, and all you need to know is that it's very, very, very cheap to live there. And one thing people don't understand is that if we just stopped raising minimum wage, it would go away. There would be no minimum wage, and everyone would make more money because inflation would eat it away. But I'm going to save the minimum wage talk for another day. But speaking of minimum wage, if you remember in the last podcast episode, I told a story about Bentley and me and a little baby bird in the garage. And if you don't remember it or you didn't hear it, you'll just have to go back and listen. I wanted to give the ending of the story, though. So I asked everyone to guess what you thought the answer was. And I let go of Bentley's collar and let her chase down the bird and get it. I know that's not probably the popular opinion. I get it. I know. My dog Bentley is getting old. One of her favorite things to do in life is chase down birds. And that's because she's a hunting dog. And it's in her DNA. It's in her genetics. There's something inside of her little dog brain that says, Oh my goodness, I've got to go chase down that bird and catch it right now. And there's nothing else she loves more. And I thought, you know what? This little bird may or may not make it. This little dog has served me right for 13 years going to pick up all the birds that I shot. She gets to go get it. So I let go of her collar. She tore after it. Like, you know, normally she's got a limp, right? She's got a some arthritis in her legs, and she has a hard time getting around. But when, when the bird brain turns on, the limps go away. So she chased it down, caught it, and immediately took it out of the garage. And I was like, well, I should probably take it from her. I thought, no, you know what? <laughs> if she wants to eat that bird, I'm going to let her just eat the bird. So fast forward like 10 minutes, I go outside to kind of check on her, and she walks in, and she's licking her chops, and she's got one little feather on her lip. And I thought, I wonder if she kind of chewed on it and then left it. So I looked around where this little grassy area where she was, no bird to be found, no remains, no feathers, nothing. <laughs> she consumed the entire bird, beak, feet, and all. And that reminded me of a funny story. When Tyler and I lived, my cousin Tyler, when, uh, when we lived together in my mom's house, when she was traveling, we, um, one of us saw a bird that had flown in the garage, a pigeon. And I don't remember who saw it first, but closed the garage door, Brought a dog out there. I think it was Mock. I don't remember which one. I think it was Mock at the time. And the, the, the bird kept hiding behind stuff and going in between stuff. We couldn't get it. And it was, this was healthy. It wasn't a sick bird. So Mock finally digs it out from somewhere, grabs it, and we're training, <laughs> we're training with it in the front yard. We got this half-dead pigeon. And I'm like, okay, throw it. So Tyler throws it up. I send the dog. Dog picks it up, brings it back to me. And um, eventually we see the... <laughs> Pigeon has got like a metal band on its leg and it's got like this number on it. And we figure out that it was like a homing pigeon that had gotten lost or whatever, searched for food or water in their garage and it got separated. <laughs> so we, I don't know, I think we called the people or emailed them and we're like, yeah, we, we, we let it go. I think we told them that we let it go, but we, we let it go, but right into the dog's mouth. Hey, it sucks. You know what? Some pigeons have to die to train a dog. It's the worst part about dog training. I hate it. I don't like killing the birds, but sometimes you just got to do it. Speaking of killing birds, I think it's hilarious. Well, I don't know for sure. The whole thing about Trump coming out and saying that we're going to postpone the election, I just, 
you know, three years ago, that would have probably gotten me worked up a little bit. I would have thought, what is he doing? Like, surely he doesn't, I would have gone off about it. But now I think, I think he just does it just to get a reaction out of people. I really do. I mean, if someone told me like, hey, you could, uh, you could tweet something out and everyone would go nuts. And the people who love you will love you more. And the people who hate you will hate you more. I mean, I would, I would play with it. I would do it. I really would. And I would get a little bit of enjoyment out of watching people just erupt off everything I say. And I think if you think about it, you probably would too. It is quite amazing. It really is. He can say anything and people just go nuts. So I think that he like, I don't know. I, I hope, I really hope that he's just pushing to see how outlandish he can be and still get a rise out of people. Because if that's what he's doing, that's funny. I, I do see how it can be detrimental to the, you know, the polarization of the country. But I don't think that's the president's job. That is not his job to, to make sure that everyone's friends. Okay? Like, he should do what he thinks is right for the country. Whether it, people hate him and he knows it or, or people are going to love him. Whatever the case may be, he should be making the decision that he thinks is right for the country. And, and while, like, tweeting out something that's... that's inflammatory is probably not the right thing for the country. He shouldn't be blamed for how polarized we are because we as humans all make the decision to get worked up about things. It's not his job. It goes back to the whole who's responsible for actions, you or someone else. Like you're always responsible for your own actions. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the Trump um, commenting on it is, is funny. If, if that's, you know, if he really doesn't think that that's the solution I mean, he knows what he can do. He knows what he can't do. And surely, surely someone have told him or knows to tell him or would have told him that, hey, we can't do that. He's probably like, yeah, I know. I know we can't do that. But watch this. Tweet. I mean, it's no different than when you're an older brother and you tell your little brother, hey, uh, get in the car. We got to go to the doctor. And he's got to listen to you. And he's like, he's in the car. And he's like, why, why are we going to the doctor? And you're like, well, I'm going to have to take you to get a shot. And he's like, but I already got a shot last year. Yeah, I know, but uh, mom called. She said that we got to go to the doctor to uh, to get you a shot. But I don't want to go to the doctor. I hate the doctor. Yeah, I know, but that's okay. Um, you're going to get a shot. It'll be fine. After that, we'll get some ice cream. But I don't want to go to the doctor and get a shot. And then they pull up to the pizza place. And he's like, ha just kidding. That's kind of what I feel like is going on. I think that one thing that's dying in our country is bravery. I think it's dying, and I think it's being mislabeled like Nazism and fascism and Marxism and everything else that these words are just being tossed around because there's people out there that would say, Oh, you're not brave for going out in coronavirus. You're just dumb. You're stupid. <laughs> and my response to that is, Hey bro, uh, you know, it's a 98% survival rate, right, bro? So how does someone get to that point where they think, you're not brave, you're stupid. Because really, it's not even that brave. And it's not stupid. It's more brave than stupid, but a 98% survival rate? That's virtually no risk. No, not much bravery is involved in that. In fact, no, no, no. I'm not going to go there. But a 99% death rate? That'd be a different story. You know, jumping out of an airplane without a parachute? That's not brave. That's stupid, right? Jumping out with a parachute, it's brave. I don't know what the death rate is, but it's probably pretty high. I mean, 
people are being called stupid for going out during coronavirus and brave for speaking out against rape and racism. And I'm sorry, I know it's probably an unpopular opinion, but speaking out about an incident that happened to you might be courageous. It might take some courage. But calling people brave people for speaking out against things that are bad that most people don't like and are very much against, I'm sorry, but that's just not, that's not bravery. Bravery is staying at the Alamo to fight when you know you're outnumbered, like, a hundred to one and and them giving you an opportunity to leave but you choose to stay and fight that's bravery bravery is hopping in a boat and heading west from spain not knowing where you're going to go or when you're going to get there or how you're going to find your way there bravery is marcus luttrell having a broken back crawling through the rocks in afghanistan while firing back against his enemies till he finds shelter like that's bravery and if we want to assign bravery to to modern times or to people out there in the Facebook land or whatever, you're you're more brave for speaking against the grain than you are speaking the same things that everyone else thinks, right? So let's just take racism. You know, people love to make posts virtue signaling about how we need to stand up and recognize and end racism. Well, no crap. I mean, we all feel that way. That's not bravery. That's you're going with the grain. You're saying the same things that everyone else thinks. And you're not providing a solution. That's a different story. But if you're going to stand in solidarity um, with women who have been sexually abused, that's the whole country. That's everyone. We all support those people. No one thinks it's okay to sexually assault or abuse women. I mean, maybe some sick people do, but they don't count. So yeah, I don't know. I think bravery is, uh, it, it's got to be something of some substance and it's got to be against the grain. It's got to be the unsafe way. It's got to be the, um, the, the path that can lead to danger or detriment and not something that everyone's on board with. You know, one of my all-time favorite customers at the brewery is a black guy. His name's Anthony. And we see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. But one thing he told me, I'll never forget this, when all the stuff started happening about the the looting and the riots and the peaceful protests and the mostly peaceful protests and the cop murderers and the 38 cops who got killed by thugs over the last 10 weeks or whatever. He told me, I mean, and, and Anthony, he ta- he's cool. He talks real cool. He's kind of slow when he talks. He says, Brandon, you know what? I said, what's up, Anthony? Man, you know the problem today? I said, which one? He said, there's no brave white men. And I just thought about it for a second. I was like, man, you're right. You're right. We, those who feel differently keep to themselves. And those who feel like everyone else feels scream from the rooftops. So like neither one of those two represent bravery. Speaking out against rape isn't brave. Keeping your mouth shut that you disagree with all the riots and looters isn't brave because you're keeping your mouth shut. And so it really, really struck me that be brave. Like, don't be ashamed of what you think. It's probably not that far off from what everyone else does. You know, don't, don't let these people who scream what they think convince you that what you think is wrong. If you go about it respectfully, disagree with people. Tell them why you don't agree. And, and you all know the types of personality of people that you don't need to disagree with at work. 
They get all worked up. They get emotional. They get all red-faced. You know, they start spitting when they talk. Those kind of people, there's really no sense. But for your peers, the people you care about and the people that you respect and you know they respect you, exchange ideas with them. Let them know like why you disagree and what you think could be different and why that is. Maybe, just maybe, we'll meet in the middle somewhere before this whole thing collapses. And you know, make it a habit to only say to people or about people whatever you would say in their presence, whether it be on social media, whether it be talking to someone else. Like just just get in the habit of that. And if you do that, you'll be able to disagree without being disagreeable. Just don't let bravery die. A few episodes ago, I talked a little bit about a vaccine and what it would look like and the challenges that would be faced. One of my uh, thoughts was that, um, you know, what if they came out tomorrow and they said, hey, guys, we've got a vaccine. It's 98 to 99 percent effective. Um, So one to one and a half percent of the people are still going to die. I wonder if the general public would take that and run with it and be happy and celebrate and get back to life. Because that number is exactly the number that we're faced with without a vaccine. So, I mean, you could give them sugar water. You could produce a vaccine. It'd really be sugar water. Give it to everyone. They go on about their lives. The virus still spreads. But, you know, we only have one to one and a half percent of the people die, which is exactly what it is anyway. I don't know. Be leery of a vaccine when it comes out. That's all I'm saying. That's all I got to say. That's all I know. I think last episode, I um, had a comment about Zuckerberg. I don't remember what it was, but I kind of feel like I owe an explanation about, I'll call him Zuckerturd. That's right. So it, first off, like we're, the times that we're living in right now when it comes to business are crazy. And, and if you think about how big businesses have gotten, the tech industry specifically, but these companies have gone from nothing to the most valuable businesses in the world and literally... 20 to 30 years. Now, up until like the the dot com boom, the, the the tech the tech boom, it took companies generations to get big. Think about like Standard Oil, um, Exxon, Coca-Cola, like all these companies that were started in the early 1900s. It took them forever to get big. You know, Bechtel, big construction companies that have all these assets. But then you look at these tech companies, they literally blew up like in a short amount of time. And so while a lot of these guys are visionaries, Bezos, Steve Jobs, uh, Bill Gates, Dell, these guys, they, they, they set out with these grand visions, these huge ideas, and they put wheels in motion to, to achieve this goal. And they failed along the way and they got back up and they kept pushing. They failed and they got knocked off and they kept pushing. And so to me, like that's the spirit of the American businessman. You have an idea. You go after it, you keep going, you keep going, you keep pushing until you you produce it and you achieve your goal. And maybe it's not what you thought it would be. Maybe you get knocked off your horse on the way, but you get right back up and you try again. That's what is so remarkable about America is that it gives us the opportunity to do that. It provides a, a platform for people to do that. I mean, in most countries, you're, you're born and you die and you don't have much of a chance to get outside those lines. But in the U.S., you do. You have more chances than anywhere else in the world. So what I kind of joke about Zuckerberg is that like he was a college kid. I think he dropped out actually um, Harvard, Yale. I don't know where it was. He's not a dumb guy. He's super smart, but I don't put him in the same category as the 
American businessmen that built companies based on a vision. I think he kind of thought like a a creative way to do something cool, and he put it out there, and it just kind of took off. It wasn't like he had the vision of this thing, and he sees it, and he manipulates it, and he moves it, and he, he coddles it, and it's like his little baby. It's like, oh, yeah, I kind of figured out this way, and then everyone just fell in love with it. So he kind of got to grow the company organically. There was no one else that was really competing with him. Still not. He just, um, you know, and he, he set out to create Facebook as we know it. But what he ended up doing was figuring out that, whoa, this is way more profitable by selling and collecting information. Like So the, the actual product itself, the Facebook that we see, that's just a byproduct. That's just what's, what's, that's just a medium or a vehicle to get to all the information and selling advertisements to people. So, you know, it'd be different if he was like a, if he was a marketing guru and he had this vision of this, this platform where people could connect with one another for the sole purpose of generating money on ads and ad revenue. But he wasn't, he wasn't that guy. He was just uh, thought of a cool idea, put it out there. It started going nuts. He maintained it. He serviced it. He kept up with it. And then, yeah, he set a vision in place and, you know, doing their deal. But I just, uh, I don't have as much respect for him as I do um, someone like Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos. Like, I doubt Zuckerberg posted up in his office and slept. I mean, sure, he, he may have stayed up a few nights trying to figure out some coding issues or some problems, but he just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would just live at the office just so he could work more. So I don't knock him for being a businessman. I don't really knock him at all. I just I kind of uh, don't respect him as much as those other guys. And he's kind of a... I don't know, kind of a twerp, kind of nerdy, um, but I don't dislike him. I would like to hang out with him. I would like to talk to him and, and see what's going on up in his noggin. But I just thought that I owed an explanation on that because I called him Zuckerturd the other day. One thing I don't get is this whole vernacular of words going up at the end and everything people say, the words go up. Like, wear a mask, dude. Everything goes up at the end. Like, the words all go up. Okay, like, I don't know what bothers me so much about that, but it's like, it's kind of demeaning. I don't know. I don't know, but it just doesn't scream. It doesn't scream highly intelligent thoughts taking place. Oh, man. All right. 38 minutes and 40 seconds. It's a Sunday. I'm going to maybe go outside and do some chores. It's so freaking hot out there. I need to sweep some leaves off the porch. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'm going to load the dogs up and head to the beach. Either way, I'm done recording. I'm probably going to edit sometime later today. I'll get this thing posted, and you guys will be able to sleep at night. Thanks again for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. Go out there. Be brave. Don't be a beep. And don't forget to keep it tranquilo. Tranquilo.